0: Uh, I'm good. Uh, and, and,
1: uh, it's, it's our favorite time of the year.
0: Uh, yes. Uh, for uh, uh, those of you who don't know, uh, we are recording um, uh, three episodes um, at the end of the Supreme Court term. Um, for Supreme- you'll,
1: you'll hear them in about a month.
0: Yes. For Supreme Court watchers like myself, uh, the end of June is kind of sort of like our super bowl our world cup <laughs> our world series it's like christmas birthday and whatever else
1: in my world it's the davis cup
0: yeah right <laughs> okay
1: so, or the stanley cup
0: oh hey ooh, where
1: you just keep adding rings with teams and, oh yes and
0: and and, and, and it becomes way,
1: so heavy nobody can pick it up
0: well the stanley stanley cup was uh, just awarded uh, this week, as we are recording, to the
1: Colorado
0: Avalanche. Um, we're now seeing photos of the various Colorado Avalanche players um, drinking various and sundry adult beverages from said cup. Yes,
1: yes, because each player on the team gets to take it for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. And when the Wings got it one year, I can't remember who, somebody's grandma made a jello mold out of it. Yeah. So I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> um but mostly it's to take it to wherever your hometown is and show it around and yeah get you get the, the picture taken radio. with it and your grandparents picture <laughs> taken with you it and all know, that stuff. And, you
0: know uh, you know and your kids decide to go ahead and you know pour their sippy cups of of yeah. apple juice in it and they drink <laughs> from it and you know, yeah it's great it's a, photos, right
1: exactly yeah but so our supreme court let First of all, we are also recording this, and I apologize, it won't be out for a month or so because, you know, post-production stuff, but um, yesterday we got us a new justice. Yes. And so we're recording July 1st. Um, On June 29th, uh, um, Justice Breyer retired.
0: June 30th.
1: June 30th. What did I say?
0: June twenty ninth. Yeah. Oh, sorry, June
1: thirtieth. My bad. He <laughs> retired, and then he promptly administered the oath, the judicial oath. There's the constitutional oath and the judicial oath, and they they, they get the constitutional oath. I guess is given by the supreme, the chief the justice. chief justice. Yes, and then the judicial oath is given by someone that you admire slash respect. Yes, whatevs. And so uh, she, Justice um, Brown Jackson, worked for. Justice Breyer, right? She clerked for him. Yep. Uh, so yep. he administered. Uh, so that must have been bittersweet on both sides, right? He's leaving after a number of years. She's joining a court that is in, let us say, gently disarray, some disarray. Well, I mean, at
0: minimum, it's, it, it, it's in a transition. Um, uh, and uh, uh, in, in for But we listeners. wish her all the best. Yeah, and listeners, if you get a chance... Um, <clears throat> uh the ceremony was recorded um, and um, and uh, and I've seen a bunch of these uh, over uh, my career teaching. and um, they all basically follow the, the the same kind of script. Um, I mean, she couldn't get a smile off her face. I mean right I mean, it's, let, it's what say. she's
1: geared her whole career
0: towards, right? Yeah, I mean you know, Nia, you know, this is a person um, who by every measure, um, has done the right thing, gone to the right schools, worked hard, demonstrated her um, uh, uh, judicial temperament and capacity. Um, and, you know, now she gets to serve on, you know, uh, uh, the Supreme court, court, which, as you pointed out, she at one point was a clerk to Justice Breyer. Um, so, uh, great thing. Um, our first African-American female justice. Um, Very exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Um, And
1: she's likely to be in large part on the liberal end of things. So that means she's going to be on the losing side of almost every decision from now until the end of time. Yeah.
0: Right? Here's your reward.
1: (laughs) Congratulations. You're perennial in the three versus six category. You're in the three.
0: Uh, For listeners, uh, for those of you who uh, don't know what we're talking about, political scientists um, since the 1940s um, have basically argued that um, you can um, assign ideological labels pretty much to every judge, uh, particularly after the judge has been on their bench for a number of years, And you can start cataloging their votes and their opinions, et cetera. And on the current Supreme Court, um, as we've mentioned on this podcast a number of times, um, uh, there are six conservatives. um, And they were all appointed by Republican presidents. And um, Justice Brown Jackson is replacing one of three liberals, um, Breyer, Kagan, and so Sotomayor.
1: Yeah. Although, Augie and I would like to caution you that just because they fall into these categories of liberal versus conservative doesn't mean that you won't get some really interesting votes yes. out of them based on those ideals, based on their ideals that they take to whatever level. And yeah, so because, uh, I because, think we've had some interesting votes. Yeah, I mean, because, We thought, oh, why is Gorsuch voting that way? And when you think about his his view of the constitution in terms of his cons of his conservativeness he logically would vote certain ways on certain things i think people were rather shocked that he was like yeah 40 percent of colorado really should be native american land and everybody went i'm sorry what and he was like yeah no it makes sense I mean, oh you're talking about the Mag- and, and,
0: yeah you're talking about the mcgurk Mag- case right of, uh, where
1: and, i think people thought yeah. he would come down on the side of the state and he was like no no, uh,
0: and um, <laughs> the, the state of Oklahoma, which interestingly enough, Nia, there was a follow up case this term where, to your point, uh, Gorsuch voted with the three liberals um, um, and uh, uh, and they were in the dissent. But the- oh, we'll
1: get to that. In, In next, next episode. Next
0: episode, yes.
1: Because our, our first episode, and generally what we talk about are sort of the summary statistics, like sort of the, over, the broad overview of, of the term. And the term dates are
0: the first Monday of October and um, until all of the accepted cases decisions are handed down. Usually, so that is usually, October
1: of 21 this time. Yes. To June of 22. Two,
0: yes, because usually the Supreme Court tries to wrap up its business by the end of June.
1: Yeah, so they can go to the Mediterranean and sit on the beach. it's not really what they do (laughs) what what they end up doing is giving lots of speeches and teaching summer classes and making money writing books Um, if you're clarence and Ginny thomas you get in your rv and go see the nation right there's all kinds of stuff that some of them have
0: of um, you know summer vacation homes where they take their family um, uh, we usually end up finding out what their summer travel plans were after the fact, Right. (laughs) Um, which now, and
1: I'm just going to state for the record, by the way, Augie and I both think that any attempt on a justice's life is wildly unacceptable. We do not live in a country where that is okay. First of all, murder is not okay in any circumstance. You don't get to kill anybody that's not cool. But also just the idea of threatening the Supreme Court for doing their jobs. That's wrong. Uh, we we can dis- disagree with them on any number of occasions. We can disagree with their logic. We can disagree. with and we their. We frequently opinions.
0: do, by the way.
1: And we frequently <laughs> do. But we don't harm other people because we disagree with them. That is the exact opposite of civil discourse and I, something I, that we I, I, will I, um... not. I don't
0: even think it's appropriate to go ahead and publish their uh, home addresses. Exactly. You don't I, I dox
1: it, them. You don't. None no, of that. I mean, it, it's not OK.
0: You know, they have a tough job. Um, they have judicial independence that's written into the Constitution. We want them to be independent so they can make the tough choices. Sometimes we think we, they get it wrong. Right. Okay.
1: But we don't but yes. we don't harm justices. And and think about it in terms, too, of the justices you like versus the ones you don't like. If you were perfectly fine with somebody threatening Brett Kavanaugh because you don't like Brett Kavanaugh, how would you feel about somebody threatening Sonia Sotomayor? Mayor. Yes. Or Elena yes. Kagan or the beloved RBG. Right. Like,
0: I mean, it, it, it cuts it, both ways. right? Exactly.
1: If you're yeah. going to allow one person to be threatened, you're going to allow all of them to be threatened. And that is unacceptable. so just getting that out of the way because (laughs) this term that's actually been a thing and as far as I know it's the first term where we've had real threat against like people gathering outside their homes and giving their addresses and chasing down their families and stuff like that unacceptable stop doing that that's not how we that's not how civilized people act um and so so how many cases did they have
0: Oh, and and this is one of the first noteworthy uh, statistics, Nia. The Supreme Court this term took and decided only 63 cases.
1: Oh, that's kind of low, isn't it?
0: Oh, yes, it is. the. the,
1: I mean, they don't do thousands, but they usually (laughs) do at least 75 to 100, right? So
0: to put an historical context on this, Nia, as recently as the 1980s, the Supreme Court was taking and issuing decisions um, between 135 and 150
1: cases. Oh, okay. That's a lot.
0: Okay. The court, starting in the 1990s and into this millennium, um, gradually shrunk to between 70 and 80, right?
1: Oh, okay. So, 63 is not that bad.
0: But, I mean historically it is the smallest number since the civil war okay in the nation (laughs) not to put too final point on this yeah but the nation's changed quite a bit since the civil war
1: (laughs) just a a smidge okay just a smidge so that's uh, a that's interesting is that in part because um the court is trying to make other branches step up and do their and do the proper work. Like, you can't... Part of of what that would be is since the Civil War, we have become significantly more litigious than we were before as a nation.
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, Alexis de Tocqueville, writing in the 1830s, said one of the most dominant characteristics of of the American form of democracy was how willing Americans were to go to court. Okay, that's (laughs) a fair point. I mean... I mean, one of the things that we've kind of sort of exported to the rest of the world is our our willingness to use court to settle any and all dispute, right? Um, There are a lot of different explanations that scholars have come up with. You mentioned one, uh, which is uh, increasingly the justices are tired of cleaning up the messes of the political branches, right?
1: And taking the hit for that.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the other
1: part of it is their popularity is dropping. It used they used to be much more popular than they are now.
0: I mean, and if you think about and we're going to get into this in one of the future podcast episodes. But, you know, the Supreme Court. That, you know, uh, this week um, that we are recording went ahead and said that the EPA did not have the authority to change the nation's electrical grid to respond to climate change. Now, the court ends up getting just absolutely lambasted for um, not giving the EPA the authority or allowing the EPA to use the authority to address climate change. But if you look at the Clean Air Act, who didn't give the EPA the authority to address climate change.
1: I'm assuming it's the it's Congress when they actually created the EPA. Yeah,
0: right. And when they so they need the,
1: to go back and revisit. And Congress, okay,
0: hasn't addressed climate change. No, climate. You know, the Supreme Court weighs in on immigration, as Justice Kavanaugh pointed out in his concurrence. Okay. Um, uh, concerning the Biden administration wanting to roll back the Trump administration's um, uh, return to Mexico policy, as Kavanaugh pointed out in his concurrence, okay? The United States Congress has the authority to address immigration, but it refuses to do so, okay? So there are any number of reasons. I mean, we talked about this a couple years, a couple summers ago when we did our uh, summer of SCOTUS. Taking cases is strategic on behalf of the justices. Right. If you don't know, there are five votes and you're a justice that wants to hear a particular case. You might be less willing to vote to hear the case right right so there are any number of reasons right but because there are so few doesn't necessarily mean they're not taking really important cases
1: well can i say that of the 63 20 came out in this month like that's
0: well almost 30.
1: 30 we're talking you know close to half
0: Close to half were undecided <laughs> when
1: until until November. Till, I mean until, until June. June. Okay. Which or was, which I was, don't know if they were undecided, but they were undisclosed.
0: Yeah, they had not been handed down, but nevertheless, again, <laughs> historically. Okay.
1: <laughs> this is like those students who turn it in at eleven fifty eight when it's due at eleven fifty nine. Yes. <laughs> so how many uh how many cases were in the shadow docket my favorite my favorite, and by that I sarcastically mean not favorite thing the
0: Supreme Court this term decided over ten cases on its shadow docket, and again, for listeners, with the shadow docket, um, a party appeals to the Supreme Court to overturn a lower court decision, but the Supreme Court does not have or does not use its full process. It doesn't take full written briefs. It doesn't have oral arguments. And this has been a controversial subject. We discussed it in a previous podcast episode.
1: And they don't give full opinions.
0: They don't necessarily give full opinions, right? Um, And again, that's the largest number of shadow docket decisions in the history of the court.
1: I'm fascinated by the vote decisions, and the reason I'm fascinated by that is because in traditional years, right, in years past, 9-0 and 8-1 and 7-2 were the most common.
0: Yes, and they still are.
1: Are they? Okay. Yes,
0: they, they still are. I mean, just to give you a sense, Nia, 17 out of the 63 cases were decided 9-0. to That's over a quarter of them where there were no dissenting votes. So, for all of the media discussion of the Supreme Court
1: as a crumbling, you know,
0: being divisive bunch of
1: angry people yelling at each other, 27% of the time they were like, sounds good to me.
0: Yes. Five to four decisions. Think
1: of that as 27% of the time they all agreed on the restaurant in the first pass. Yes. Are we going to go to dinner? We're all going to go for pizza instead of, and I say that because if you and your friends could oh. get 27% agreement the first time you ask the question, where are we going to eat dinner? That would be nothing shy of a miracle in most oh, yes. friend groups. Because, <laughs> yes. man, that's a question that goes around and around and around. But anyway, okay, so the 5-4 decisions were About the the close ones.
0: Yeah, those are the close ones. um, Slightly under 20 percent. OK, so a
1: quarter of the time in pretty much total agreement and a quarter of the time pretty much divided.
0: Yeah, I mean, 20 percent of the time. I mean, let's face it. Okay, if you if you compare this to more recent statistics, this is pretty much the normal. Okay. So again, listeners, you gotta you have to be a little cautious here when, you know, all the newspaper articles and you know stuff you see on the internet's like, you know, we have this divided court. Well, maybe on the controversial stuff.
1: Yes, right? Oh now that's an interesting way to put it because it in I know in your notes the Six three, which is basically the conservatives versus the liberals, the liberals, that's about twenty percent of the time.
0: Yes. Okay. So I mean, you know, and if you think about that, I mean
1: <laughs> it's 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 not as divided as we'd like to think it is. So actually, and I've got the math a little wrong because it's like a fifth of the time. They, they get along nine, oh, a fifth of the time, they are, they are divided, and a fifth of the time, <clears throat> it's six, three, which means that what the media is perceiving as disarray isn't disarray, it's the media seeing that the liberals are on the losing side. Right. Yes. And they're saying that that's disarray. But there's no disarray on the sixth side. Like, no, they're no, not in disarray. No. So the conservatives on the court are not nearly in as much disarray as perhaps, but anyway.
0: And there are other statistical, if you will, patterns. Um, uh, the, yeah,
1: I love this. Every year you report who, <laughs> who, which, which ones are in the majority the most. Yes. Um,
0: and can you guess uh, which two justices were in the majority the most?
1: Well, the thing about, the thing about this um, is consistently, at least it seems to me consistently, the Chief Justice tends to be in the majority. Yeah. So I would say Jay Rob's got to be one of those.
0: Yeah, the two, two justices that were in the majority um, uh, were uh, John Roberts, Chief Justice John Roberts, and Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Um, in, in fact... They vote. They voted the same, a remarkable 95% of the time.
1: <laughs> now, I, I have a question for you about that. Do you think that's because Kavanaugh really lines up with, with Roberts that much? Or do you think that it's because Kavanaugh is not interested in making waves his first two years on the court while he figures out who he is and what he wants his jurisprudence to be known for and that sort of thing. Like, will we see that with Amy Comey Comey Barrett, Coney Barrett, Um, when her numbers are pulled? I I think
0: Kavanaugh ideologically is uh, closer to John Roberts than he is to Clarence Thomas or Sam Alito, on the conservative side of the court,
1: and Roberts is kind of a moderate conservative, right? He's sort of more. Uh, he's only moderate because of the,
0: the other, the other, the other four conservatives. Ah, right? uh, okay, okay. Um, I mean, let's be very clear about something here. John Roberts is not a liberal. He's not a moderate. Okay. Um, he is more willing to vote with the liberals, okay? But he doesn't do that all that often, right? okay? He doesn't do it all that often. Um, I think Kavanaugh also felt really burned by his confirmation process. And when you see a justice go through the confirmation process like Brett Kavanaugh did, they can respond one of two ways. They can try to gratiate themselves, fit in with the court, okay? Um, Go along, get along. Okay, Um, or they can do what Clarence Thomas did. Clarence Thomas also went through a difficult confirmation process, but he adopted, if you will, a very conservative position on the court, and he hasn't deviated, right? He has not deviated, okay? Um, I mean, you and I talked about this before.
1: Right, like him or dislike him, he is consistent.
0: Even Scalia said, when Justice Scalia was on the court with Thomas, that Clarence Thomas doesn't care about precedent. He cares about it getting it right, about the court getting it right. So, you know, Clarence Thomas is willing to go ahead and overturn 200 plus years of precedent <laughs> right. if he thought the precedent for 200 plus years was wrong. Was wrong, right. Whereas Scalia was willing to acknowledge that there were certain precedents that the American people had grown to rely upon that even if he thought they were poorly decided the court should follow the court should follow right
1: so the justice in the majority the least
0: sonia sotomayor less than 60 percent of the time will she in the majority
1: yeah but it's it's 59 percent right it's pretty close to 60 yeah even the person who's not in the majority the most is still in the majority more than half the time Yes. Like this thing that we're, we're getting, where we're getting this sort of divide and conquer view of the Supreme Court just isn't, you, you, it just does not bear out numerically.
0: Yeah, you got, you have to be cautious, right? When, you know, when you see press reports that this is a badly divided court, they're not getting along. All I keep on coming back to is, but even the justice who's in the majority, the least is in the majority, fifty-nine percent of the time. Right. Um, that's that's
1: a lot. Yeah. I mean. Okay. So I'm. Um, so we know that Roberts and Kavanaugh are remarkably similar in their in their votes. Yes. Who are the most different?
0: <laughs> oh, Mia, you could actually guess this.
1: Well, I'm going to guess Justice Thomas on the conservative side, because as we just described. He is his own.
0: He's his own animal. He's, he's his like,
1: own entity of, yes, of he, he, moral compass, right? Yeah, he's he, he's, he's like, got his own way that the rest of us are kind of like, huh? Um, so I would guess, well, it's got to be one of the liberals. Yes. And I'm guessing it's, it's probably Sonia Sotomayor because she's in the majority the least.
0: Yes, she, yeah. Um, Sonia Sotomayor and Clarence Thomas. um, Kind of
1: (laughs) the polar opposites of the. Ideological spectrum. Right. Yeah, and this makes sense,
0: right? Right. Makes sense.
1: That they would meet in the middle of the least.
0: Least, right? Um, Um, And um, the
1: only reason I didn't guess Elena Kagan is she tends to be more.
0: She's willing to go ahead and follow precedent than Sonia Sotomayor.
1: Right okay Sonia Sotomayor feels about precedent the same way Justice Thomas feels about precedent if it's not right Right. (laughs) and I don't care if we've done it that way for 100,000 years we're not doing that way starting tomorrow yeah like they are they are both they are in fact very much twins in that sense of yeah precedent is not as important as what is right yes yeah it's just that they have the worldview of what is right is very, very different. But their view of how to get there is, I think, almost the same.
0: And it's pretty noteworthy, Nia, uh, uh, about a month ago, um, Justice Sotomayor uh, gave a talk to, I believe the American Constitution Society, which is, uh, tends to be a, a kind of sort of liberal interest group. And she was asked during the Q&A by the audience um, what she thought of some of her colleagues. And you know, unscripted, she just went ahead and said um, that she loves Clarence Thomas, that she thinks he's a really good person, that he feels as strongly about the court as she does. Um, but she acknowledged that their view of, of many Americans is different. Whereas Clarence Thomas believes that um, uh, the oppressed, the downtrodden um, should individually pull themselves up by the bootstra- boot by their bootstraps. Her perspective is sometimes those people need the help from the government.
1: Right. OK,
0: but she said, you know, we both believe strongly in the work that the court does. Um, and as she pointed out, um, you know, she frequently disagrees with Clarence Thomas's jurisprudence, but there's not a person at the Supreme Court who doesn't like Clarence Thomas. Um, so, I mean, and again, I, I caution my students particularly when I teach uh, courts and politics, that just because Sotomayor and Clarence Thomas are on the polar opposite- ends Right, she's of the ag-
1: ultra-liberal, he's ultra-conservative. ...conservative,
0: um, they can still
1: work together- And have enormous respect for each for other. for one other, right? I mean- My impression of Justice Thomas is that he respects his colleagues except I don't think he respects John Roberts' leadership. I, I think th- he questions John Roberts' leadership and I think that's other people are doing that too after this term, that there's been some real controversy in terms of- I think- Of, Clarence, I think of Cl- just Roberts' ability to uh, cohere the, the group. I think Clarence Thomas,
0: Doesn't respect John Roberts as much because John Roberts is willing to pull his punches on cases and votes. Right. I think a Clarence Thomas is more likely to go ahead and respect a Sonia Sotomayor, even though they disagree with one another so much, because Sonia Sotomayor is willing to stand up for her principles.
1: Well, and and I think think j Rob is trying to protect the institution. institution. Yes. Yep. And I suspect that's the thing is, yeah. you know, um, but who wrote the most opinions?
0: <laughs> Clarence Thomas, nearly 30 of them, 30. I, Out of I know,
1: 63 cases, that's a lot.
0: He writes more in the last five years, per Supreme Court term, he writes more than every other justice. In fact, the only one who's closest to him, Sonia Sotomayor. Right.
1: They got a lot to say.
0: (laughs) Okay. They write majority opinions. They write concurring opinions. They write dissents. They write dissents from when the court denies an appeal. (laughs) Just to give you a sense, Sonia Sotomayor, okay, again, we're recording on uh, Friday, July 1st. The court finished its term uh, the previous day. Uh, the Supreme Court announced uh, the last set of cases it is agreed to hear in the fall. Sonia Sotomayor wrote six dissents. on cases the Supreme Court decided <laughs> not to hear. Six, right?
1: Six. We should have heard this one and we should have heard this one. we should have heard the following reasons. Okay. Um, It is true. Well, you know what? She's younger. And she may be perceiving the court as not doing enough. I mean, maybe she longs for the days when the court did 120 to 130 cases.
0: Well, I mean, she could be. I mean, you know, the subject of my <laughs> dissertation, Byron White, used to complain every year that the Supreme Court needed to take more cases. And mind you, he was on the court when the court was hearing
1: 130, 135, 140. He wanted to hear more. Isn't right? he the guy though that had his opinions out within a week?:
0: Oh yeah. He, he told I mean... Yeah, he told his clerks, "We got a week, right? <laughs> right? Here's the other thing. Certain justices relish being in the dissent. They love being, if you will, the loyal opposition. And it wouldn't surprise me one iota if uh, if Justice Sotomayor falls into that category, right? Um, I mean, Thomas never minded. I mean, let's face it. You know, for most of Thomas's tenure on the court, he's not been a consistent member of the majority, right?
1: Or rather, right, the because conservatives have not been the majority.
0: And even when he votes with the rest of the conservatives, he usually does so on grounds that are so different.
1: I, he writes concurrences all the time. Yeah. We got to the right answer, but boy, did we get to the wrong reasoning. And here's why, yada, 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 yada. He yeah. has a very-
0: Yeah, I uh, love, yeah, I love the, I love, I agree with the judgment, but you guys got there the, the, the wrong way. Yeah, and let me tell you how you got there the wrong way. (laughs) Okay. By the way, very opinionated people. The median vote on the current Supreme Court, uh, the last two terms, John Roberts. Okay. He's the median vote. Okay. That makes sense. Um, And um, the, the problem is he's now got five justices who are more conservative than him. Right. And as we will see, as we discuss some of the cases in our next podcast episode, he no longer can go ahead and bring a couple of the conservatives to his kind of sort of middle ground, incremental approach. Right. Okay. Um, And this is where you're starting to see the media say, John Roberts no longer has control of his court. But we've always known this, right? (laughs) Right. And I'm not saying this about John Roberts specifically, but I've always said this about the Chief Justice, because yes, we label courts by who the Chief Justice is, but they only have one vote.
1: Right. They only have one vote. Right. One out of nine. Okay. Right. And, and they might, <laughs> through personal charm, bring people over, but they might not. They might and, not. And, right? is we will note in the next podcast with the the docket this year it was controversial oh. being being able to bring anybody over from one side or the other was going to be dang near impossible awesome. like that yeah. just is yeah that, you know but we'll get to that next episode so thank you so much for our statistical yes. sort of overview of this year um i'm kind of glad it's over yeah uh, And then I think about next year's docket and I think, oh, no, now I need to get a new cold compress to put on my forehead. Because if you thought this year was controversial, there's just more to come. There's just more to come. Mia, you and I both love movie
0: quotes, okay? And, um, uh, you know, what's the old movie quote, uh, you know, uh, Bette Davis, you know? what is it buckle up it's going to be a bumpy ride it's going
1: to be a bumpy ride it's going to be a bumpy night or a bumpy bumpy night right okay so yeah yeah i mean it's going to be uh it's going to be interesting (laughs) next term but but we got to get through this term first so Yep. We'll come back next episode and we're going to talk about, Now we won't be able to talk about all 63, which I'm sure I just heard sighs of relief from all over from listeners. Like, oh, thank goodness you're not going to try to cover 63 cases. <laughs> we're just going to talk about the really big ones. Yes. Um, and, uh, and we will link to the Supreme Court rulings page where you can go and look at everything else. So. Yes. Yeah.
0: They, they, all they have, right. Yeah, they have nice, neat PDFs.
1: They really do. Yeah. Thank you, Supreme Court. Yeah. Um, And thank you, Augie. And I'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Nia. You've been listening to Civil Discourse,
0: brought to you by VCU Libraries.